This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now Joe Biden's visit to Ireland began in Belfast where he arrived very late in the evening, and was greeted by Rishi Sunak, the British Prime Minister. It was a pretty cursory encounter. In fact, at one stage, Biden brushed him aside and went to speak to somebody else. The following morning, the British Prime Minister and the President had coffee together, and that was the end of that. In the 17 hours Joe Biden spent in Belfast, I'd say half at least was spent in bed sleeping and he then left. Curious that that should happen, and I'll give you an idea why in a moment. It's a pleasure now to welcome to the stand John Kampfner, one of Britain's most distinguished journalists, a broadcaster and an author. His last book, Why the Germans Do It Better, Notes from a Grown-Up Country. He's writing another book at the moment about Berlin. John, thank you very much for joining us. Tony Blinken, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, was part of the president's party. He is the most important cabinet member and most influential. It's hard to fathom why Rishi Sunak and Blinken didn't have serious meetings because it is Sunak's failure, really, to persuade the DUP and Jeffrey Donaldson to do business that's holding the whole agreement up at the moment. It seems sort of as if America was prepared to do business, but nobody wanted to do business with them. The I love using the term, because I always do it sardonically, the, the special relationship. Yes. And it has underpinned British foreign policy thinking since the Second World War. When Dean Acheson said in the 1950s, Britain had lost an empire, 
and we're still in search of a role that yes. still applies. But the one role we did have was being America's best friend. Now, that has withered uh, for many reasons over time. And in serious foreign policy circles, nobody uses it anymore. But in media terms, and in terms of the national psychology, it's still there. And it's sort of used almost dub double negatively. If we're not America's best friends, what are we? particularly given that we left the European Union and we spent most of the time since then um, trying to beat themselves up and in so doing beating ourselves up all the time. We were, and it was true, we were America's bridge. Um, we were America's bridge to Europe. Yes. Uh, Tony Blair absolutely saw his role in that. In fact, Tony Blair saw his role as being the American foreign minister, the secretary of state. <laughs> when he went, he basically secured for George W. Bush the coalition of the willing for Afghanistan. And then infamously, he secured a much less impressive coalition um, for the disaster that was Iraq. But Blair absolutely took this view that we have to be at America's right hand, because if we're not, then what are we? And it's particularly acute now, and that's why um, the British media, particularly the British conservative media, are so furious with Biden, as they were furious with Barack Obama as well. Um, Obama had the temerity to say, I don't think, guys, it would be a great thing to um, leave the European Union, and he was accused of interfering. He also said, did he not, John, that Britain would go to the back of the queue. And he, absolutely, and it has. Yeah. And it is demonstrably there now. Well, not so much at the back, but certainly not at the front. And Obama also famously, um, I can't remember the exact year, but it would have been before 2010, it would been 2008 or nine in Obama's first term when Gordon Brown was prime minister. And Brown was chasing Obama into the kitchens of a hotel um, in, uh, in, in America to try to get a word with Yes, The days of American presidents going to London first are long gone. I mean, Bush um, went to Mexico for his first visit. And Americans now, it's the pivot towards Asia. And if they are going to go to Europe, it's to Germany. And really, it's in British sort of rural Britannia mindsets to lavish praise on the Republic of Ireland in the way that Biden did yes. over the last couple of days and to be so demonstrably dismissive towards Sunak is probably the most heinous crime of all. Yes, and the, the politics of this John, I'm sure, relate to the fact that Sunak has tried to change the vibe around the Tory party, which many of whose front benches are pretty unpleasant people, but he has been unable to deliver the DUP into a process that the US believe they have a big stake in, and they do, because they helped create the Good Friday Agreement. There's no sign that the DUP are willing to heed Sunak. Is that a problem or could it be? I mean, Anthony Blinken would not travel all the way 
to Ireland and spend a week here, a virtual week here, just to indulge Joe Biden's love of his ancestry. It was interesting all the way through the worst years post-referendum and post-departure of Britain's hostility and terrible relationship towards Brussels and uh, European countries in general, I was always surprised at how little the White House and the State Department said about it. And I was reassured that behind the scenes, they were trying to apply pressure on the Brits and to a degree on the EU to come to an agreement. Yes. Now, to give Sunak his due, he inherited basket case Britain. Yes. uh, Thanks to Boris Johnson and Liz Truss. Uh, you know, uh, reputation, notwithstanding Ukraine, which you and I even have talked about several times, which I'm very staunchly uh, supportive of the British position, and it's not insignificant uh, in global terms. Uh, But notwithstanding that point, Britain's reputation is absolutely trashed and has been for a very long time. And the view that Britain can deliver globally uh, is uh, absolutely diminished. Now, Sunak knew that, and he also knew that his hold on his own political party was tenuous. So many people um, accusing him of knifing Boris Johnson in the back. Mm -hmm. So he's had an atrociously, perilously difficult um, deck of cards to play. And I think most people would say that he's played them reasonably well. Um, uh, he's had very little room for manoeuvre within his own party. He has got things done. And the Windsor framework that he did um, agree uh, with the European Union was regarded, and correctly, I think, in my view, as a major breakthrough. Relations, British relations with France and Germany, and increasingly from a terribly low base with the European Commission, are getting better. Yes. And, you know, uh, King Charles's visit to Germany was really important. Sunak's talks with Macron and their bear hugs uh, were important. And they didn't need to do that. He didn't need to do that. He was sending a message to that. So, you you know, I I wouldn't want to say that it's all been failure. It hasn't. I think it's been really, really important getting that Windsor framework through. Yes. The fact that he hasn't been able in so doing, to get the DUP back into government and therefore to get uh, government back up and running in Northern Ireland. Well, I mean, you could also uh, ask uh, yourself, is it actually possible to get the DUP? I mean, could anybody get, could Starmer get the DUP? Could anyone get the DUP back uh, into that situation? No, well, you, uh, the, the, the belief here is that the best hope of of getting the DUP back into the Assembly and therefore generating real politics for the people of the North is after the local elections in May. Mm. The other suspicion, I'm afraid, is that the optics of a Republican or Nationalist First Minister and a Loyalist or Unionist Deputy First Minister is just too unpalatable for the DUP, in which case we have a major problem. Let me just move on to, I mean, even, I know that European Research Group is is against many of the things 
we're doing and people are doing to try and repair the relationship between the European Union and Britain. But Steve Baker, who was one of the hard cases and one of the smartest cases, and he is very influential, one imagines, he is now on the side of reconciliation in the North and the Working Assembly. Chris Heaton Ellis, who's in the cabinet now, a former Northern Secretary, he appears to be on side. But in politics, as nobody knows better than you, I'm sure, delivery is, is currency, isn't it? Yeah. And if Sunak can't deliver and the Tory party and Tory government can't deliver the DUP, then it's a blow to the, to the British government. I mean, I've covered Northern Ireland before in previous incarnations, Eamon, but I'm not, um, you will have others on your show who are more intricately uh, versed in the specifics of day-to-day Northern Ireland politics. But seen slightly at at one step removed, the DUP have got nowhere to go. They're completely boxed in uh, for all the reasons that you've just said, the optics of having a uh, Sinn Féin first minister. Yes. Uh, and Sinn Féin being strong in the South as well. Um, the DUP dead set on uh, Brexit and on the harshest form of Brexit. They enjoyed, because of parliamentary arithmetic, um, yes. crazy amount of influence on Theresa May during that period. Sort of Eileen Foster was almost the deputy prime minister. And, you know, it's as your listeners um, in Ireland and in, in the North will know better than me, Northern Ireland voted to remain. Yes. Uh, and so the fact, you know, the sheer unrepresentativeness of the DUP for the majority view in Northern Ireland is staggering. Um, and, you know, they are in a corner. They are in a very rarefied position. Um short of unraveling the terms of the Good Friday Agreement, which, of course, nobody wants to do, and, and having just marked its, its anniversary, and creating a new political settlement for Northern Ireland that doesn't require the two jurisdictions to work together in government, um, I can't see what is going to bring the DUP to the table, and therefore, for the foreseeable future... I can't see anyone, including Starmer, succeeding in in getting them back. Yes, and it's worth pointing out in defence of Geoffrey Donaldson that there is a small party on his right (laughs) that are even more hardline and that could take seats off him. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. 
With resorts worldwide, from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively, but not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Let me just move on to another aspect that has emerged this week in Britain of a kind of strange stuff. I mean, Arlene Foster alleged that, and I quote, Joe Biden hates Britain. Now, that simply isn't true. In his speech in Belfast on Monday, he paid handsome tribute to the building of America by Ulster Scots, who were Protestants, of course. But to say he hates Britain is crazy. There was a particularly unpleasant and nasty cartoon in the Daily Telegraph, I think yesterday it was, the day before, of drunken Irish men with pints of Guinness in their hand. Absolute caricature of Ireland today, particularly in a country <laughs> where people are out and are shown to be out, out of their mind at race courses, football matches, and every weekend, such as England, which isn't the case in this country. There's an underlying nastiness in Britain at the moment that is baffling. And I can say this because I am pro-British. I lived there for 17 years. And I know there's another side of Britain than the one that we see all the time. But it is manifesting itself now in politics. Suella Braverman, for example, and her racist talk about immigration and indeed about child sex abuse. You're, I'm pleased you put that caveat in at the end, Damon, because you're, half, you're emphatically half right, but I would also venture that you're emphatically half wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a better Britain. Um, and admittedly, it is struggling to be heard. Yes. At the moment. Um, it is a Britain that is more welcoming, that is not racist, that is certainly not anti-Irish, that is not anti-European, um, and that there's polar opposite of that. Um, and there are also people in between. Um, but the very hardline elements are, as you say, the dominant force, or, well, no, I'm not sure they're dominant, they're a loud force in British politics. Um, Rishi Sunak is not 
in any way trying to quieten down Suella Braverman for two reasons. One is, as I mentioned earlier, his hold on political power within the Conservative Party. I wouldn't say it's tenuous or fragile, but it's not particularly strong. Yes. And he can only fight so many battles at any given time. I personally don't believe he believes that stuff. I'm not saying he's an angel, far from it, but I don't believe he believes that stuff. I believe she does. Um, At the same time, among a certain constituency, a particularly a constituency that uh, the Conservatives are angling for, it does appear to be playing well. And one of the things that most upset me over the last week or two has been Labour's attack adverts yes. against the Conservatives. Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean it's really stupid and shocking. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a piece of the Independent just saying, what on earth, what, you know, I said it wasn't the only one who did it, lots of people did it, what on earth was Starmer thinking of? <clears throat> for a start, it's open book for them to come after him, but, you know, the counter-argument is, well, they do that anyway, and they, will, they would anyway. But the other is, what sort of vision does Labour and does Starmer in particular have for Britain? And if it is as mean-spirited as Sunak's, well, then, you know, you'd be forgiven for people saying, well, I might as well go for the devil I know and vote for Sunak next time. Where is the essential difference? Where is the essential betterness yeah. uh, of, of Britain? Now, the optimists contend that Starmer is kind of getting his defence in first, and um, when, if stroke when, and it's not when, I would say, it's if he wins, uh, he will, even if it's only incremental, uh, unravel a lot of the worst elements of this Conservative government. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure uh, that is the case. Quite often politicians... People, when from whichever perspective, uh, they fight on particular campaigning messages, and people say, "Oh, yeah, but when when they're in power, they'll behave differently." And we thought that some people thought that of Boris Johnson. Oh, yes. when he wins power, he'll you know, he won't be as 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 crazy and as irresponsible as he was uh, campaigning in opposition in his own party. Well, yes, he was. He was as terrible, if not worse. Donald Trump was doubly worse. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm not comparing Starmer, but with them, far from it. I think he's essentially a very decent person. But you do have to show some courage also in opposition in saying this is what we stand for and it is different rather than tailoring tailoring your message to what you think the lowest common denominator in politics is. And the lowest common denominator in British politics at the moment is pretty revolting. Yes, and I note that the Tory peer... Baroness Warsi, who herself, mm. I think, is Asian, has warned that what she describes as Suella Braverman's racist rhetoric, and Suella Braverman is the Home Secretary, is putting British Asian families at risk. Now, The Guardian carries that story today, but she does make a very strong case that it is damaging to Asian families, and it is also untrue. And people think that Braverman is carving out a, a piece of the right wing and she is going to make a run for the leadership when Sunak is gone. I mean, she is saying what Enoch Powell said, almost. Now, whatever you think about Enoch Powell, and it was a long, long time ago, 
he was, you know, well, he was saying things that have been proved right in some ways. But Suella Braverman talking about her dream being a Boeing 707 taking off from Heathrow, packed with people bound for Rwanda. Yeah. This is surely a statement that is almost mind-boggling. There aren't many people who could make Pretty Patel seem moderate. Yes. Um, <laughs> and she has managed that rare feat. And you know, I have to, um, I have to uh, we will have to phrase ourselves carefully in this regard. But there is a very interesting phenomenon of people who come originally from ethnic minorities who feel they have license to say kinds of things about other ethnic minorities. Yes. Um, that white people um, or some white people wouldn't f feel, thankfully, emboldened to to do, and whether that whether she feels that 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 gives her cover in some way is 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 a fascinating issue. But it's so you know to, even just to talk about it, it's so sort of entering a minefield. Um, that's why I don't think she is challenged as much as she otherwise might be but no i mean uh the i mean the other phenomenon is you look around well, i mean you know it's not all a british phenomenon i mean this kind of stuff you know populist right-wing parties are doing well everywhere they're doing well in scandinavia of all yes. places um uh i uh you know in central europe they do well yes. they're doing well you know a lot of the macron anti-macron stuff is is also about sort of anti-metropolitan liberal elite stuff and and all of that but in britain it's particularly strong and i think i mean if you look at the last imf report britain's economy is growing slower than any other country in the oecd including russia so when a country is ill at ease when a country is doing badly and doing badly in actual terms and in relative terms, what does it do? It thrashes around and it looks for scapegoats. And history is replete with these examples. And Liz Truss is making a comeback as well. Oh, well, that will be all right then. <laughs> Problem well, solved. No. Just a final thought about that. She also made a, a very important speech. It was said to be important. <laughs> and she... <laughs> And I might take I might take issue with that characterization. Well, of course, but it's important she, to her and a few, of, uh, you know, a few nutcases around her. But I'm not sure anybody else. No, but she also is heading rightwards because yes, they always see where, where how further she could head. But yeah, this this Tory government clearly believes that that's its only chance. But it isn't going for the leafy home counties vote, is it? No, and. I mean, that, that's where, you know, the number-crunching nerds uh, are so important in all of this. Just where, you know, in Britain, all well, countries have particular and peculiar voting systems. Britain is obviously, uh, has, has its own. And in general elections of the 650 constituencies, only about 200 ever matter. Um, and a big question is going to be, the extent to which there is a tacit agreement between Labour and the Lib Dems not to fight each other, because in yes. so many places the Conservatives squeeze in. If you added the aggregate vote of Labour and Lib Dems 
uh, you know, would invariably be ahead of the Conservatives. Another interesting question that we haven't got time to talk about today is what's happening in Scotland yes. and the self-immolation of the SNP and what appears to be the independence cause is going to have major ramifications, obviously, for Scotland and the, and the future of uh, the UK. But it's going to have direct influence on, over the next general election. If the SNP vote implodes, Labour is going to pick up uh, a good number of them. The Conservatives uh, might do a few as well, um, and the Lib Dems the odd one. But, you know, it, it was only 20 years ago that Scotland was absolutely at the heart of the Labour vote. Yes. And Scotland was at the heart of the Labour cabinet. I mean, disproportionately huge numbers of very influential Labour figures, Gordon Brown, Robin Cook, Donald Dewar, etc., George Robertson, were Scottish. Uh, there's very little of that now. And if Labour basically has a bonanza of 20-plus Scottish seats, that will go some way. That will influence things. Um, what happens to the Red War and what happens, as you say, in more southern, leafy, southwest seats that find this Tory red meat politics repugnant? Well, the Lib Dems will pick up some, Labour will pick up the other, but neither will pick up any if they fight each other. Okay, it's always uh, interesting and fascinating talk to you, John. We're very grateful. That's John Kampfner. And uh, we're grateful to John, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Want to know what it takes to make a million bucks? Check out My First Million. Every week we dive into different business opportunities and explain how to pounce on them. From one-man online operations to brick-and-mortar strategies, we cover it all. So whether it's your first million followers or dollars, start getting inspired with My First Million wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.